Hey guys, welcome to Fiction Fixation. Every week, we get together and recap a different book or movie. We're your hosts. I'm Courtney. And I'm Rose. We're not here to give reviews or ratings. We're just here to talk about the characters Mm -hmm. and all the shenanigans or lack of shenanigans. Our very first story is called A Court of Thorns and Roses. It's told to us by Sarah J. Mass from the eyes of Feyre. Yeah, so Feyre is a 19-year-old girl who has to resort to hunting in the woods just to feed her starving family mm. um, because they're useless and they can't feed themselves. But that's that. Oh, we'll get to that. <laughs> Here's the thing. Farah is not having a good day Mm-mm. today. No, she's not. She's been hunting all day. There's nothing in these damn woods. And she finally comes across a deer. There's a wolf staring at it. Yeah, that wolf is huge. She says it's like the size of a pony. Um, she knows if she shoots it, then the deer's going to run off. Or if she yeah. shoots the deer, then the wolf is going to know she's there. And there's probably more of them because wolves usually aren't alone. Well, and but- also, like, how is she going to get that? That wolf is huge. How is she going to get a donkey-sized wolf back to her house? Yeah, it's probably not going to happen because this girl is super skinny, but not in a goals kind of way. Get him bones. More like in a here have a piece of bread kind of way okay so it's cold it's freaking Mm -hmm. cold she's starving she's weak she's been looking for food all goddamn day she finally found it and she's desperate but she has to hesitate yeah uh fair knows that these woods of her village border prithian and that's the fairy territory she knows that there is a small chance that this wolf could be a fairy that has shifted into a wolf for whatever reason you might think, oh, it's a fairy. That's good. Fairies help people. Not these fairies, bitch. These fairies kill people. Vera mm-hmm. says that they are brutal. They're vicious creatures. They torture humans. They kill humans. They raid villages. They are not Tinkerbell. <laughs> no, they are absolutely not Tinkerbell. Since Vera is so hungry, she decides to shoot the deer. And then really quickly, she pulls an ash arrow from her quiver and shoots the wolf through the eye. Yeah, so the ash arrow is the key because that's what's going to kill this this wolf if it's a fairy. If she would have shot it just with a regular arrow and it wasn't just a wolf, it would have popped back up like, what? <laughs> you trying to kill me, bitch? No, you're not. You got the right idea. You got the wrong bitch. <laughs> well, it works. The deer is down. The wolf is dead. She successfully killed both of them, Mm -hmm. but she can't carry both of them home. So she skins the wolf to sell its hide for money and then drags the deer all the way home. Mm. I hope she doesn't regret that later. (laughs) How would she possibly regret that later? What could possibly go wrong? Now she has to go home, dragging this freaking deer behind her to her horrible, useless, trash family her family is the literal fucking worst her sisters elaine and nesta do nothing except complain all day and her dad just sulks in his room and all of them just wait around for farah to come back with food and they do absolutely nothing to contribute to survival at all i mean a miracle that they're still alive Mm. i don't know why farah if i was farah i would just drag that deer to a nice little campfire cook it up eat it by myself because so the dad used to be this rich businessman Mm -hmm. he ended up losing all his fortune after the mom died but here's the thing girl when the mom was on her deathbed she got farah to, to promise to take care of the others. Any mom will tell you the youngest child is the one who does not give a fuck. You don't ask the youngest kids to take care of the other kids. Mm-mm. 
Will Fair cared somehow because she promised to her mom she would take care of her family. And here we are. This is how we're, this is how we got here. And I wish I could say it gets better for her after a long ass day of hunting in the cold. I hoped that she could kick off her boots and enjoy some deer jerky and I don't know, make something nice out of that wolf hide. But no, no, she can't. She can't because someone breaks into her hut, into her raggedy ass shack. (laughs) A giant monster that is a bear with elk horns, a wolf head and a feline body busts through her door. Bear with elk horns? A bear with elk horns, a wolf head, and feline body. So it's sexy, scary, kind of aesthetic, you know, like something you want on your wall. What part is sexy to you? I feel like the feline body is sexy. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) I have three fat cats. When I think feline body, I think of my husband's fat orange cat. Just think of a a fur, of like a ball fur. That has like fat curtains on her stomach. This creature bursts into her house and starts screeching like a freaking banshee. Men are so fucking unstable. (laughs) So unstable. This dude is like, murderers, murderers, who killed him? Farrah is like, first of all, you need to calm down. Second of all, like, killed who? (laughs) Sir, sir, you're you're hysterical right now, sir. I can't talk to you when you're this emotional. (laughs) Sir, you're being too emotional. It kills me because she acts like she has no idea who this creature is screaming about. Like she wasn't just in the woods. Like, hmm, I wonder if this wolf I just shot is a fairy. Oh, guess what, girl? (coughs) Was it a fairy? It was a whole ass fairy. It wasn't even just like half fairy. It wasn't like a (laughs) hybrid. This fucking wolf was a whole ass fairy and she killed it and skinned it. So... The monster is telling her the whole reason this monster is here breaking into her house, screaming like a freaking banshee is because she has violated a treaty and it, and it's violated when you kill a fairy unprovoked. Um, the specific terms of the treaty are a life for a life. A life for a life. You know, Farrah doesn't really question it. I mean, you could tell that she's kind of ready to die. She doesn't ask for receipts. She is totally like takes him at his word. She's like, all right. And he's like, you're not you're not going to you're not going to fight me on this. She's like, nah, man. And he's so surprised by this that he goes, well, you know what? I'm going to do you a solid because there's actually like a loophole in the treaty and I don't have to technically kill you. I just have to take you to Prithian and you just have to die there. And then we're good. Yeah, like Prithian has to claim your life. Right. So it doesn't have to be murder. He says that, you know, he's not going to kill her. And she's like, OK, well, fairies can't lie. That's what she's always been told um, because magic. Um, so off she goes with him. Like her dad takes her aside before she leaves. And he says that if she ever finds a way to escape, to never come home. The useless dad who is watching his daughter get kidnapped for being out in the woods hunting for food for him. He sets her aside and says, hey, honey, listen, have fun. OK, have fun and don't come back. <laughs> Just don't come back. OK, bye. Prithian is divided into seven courts. It's divided into spring, summer, winter, fall, day, dawn, and night. And night. She kind of just from the weather, she determines that she's in the spring court. Yeah. There's gardens in full bloom, green grass. There's very mild weather. It's not hot. She just needs a light sweater. I'm just saying, I'm not condoning the kidnapping, but that's pretty dope. If you're going to kidnap me, take me where it's spring. And also take me to a castle. I'm good with that. Yeah. <laughs> the beast takes her to a dining room. It's just like 
filled with so much food. Her mouth is just salivating at all of this food because she's like, I am so motherfucking hungry. (laughs) So the beast that kidnapped her is not a beast anymore. He has transformed. He's now a blonde guy wearing a mask. His name is Tamlin and he's not alone. There is another gentleman there. His name is Lucian, and he has a fox face mask on, and he has a metal eye, like a clockwork eye that's just kind of like spinning around. She stands in front of Tamlin, the guy who kidnapped her, and she's just like, what do you want with me? And he's like, I don't really care what you do. I mean, I did kidnap you and force you here, and you don't know where here is, and you have nowhere else to go, but just go if you want. Like, whatever. I don't care. Yeah, he's like, the treaty says that you have to live in Prithi. I'm like, I don't care where in Prithi and you live. But Tamlin has one of his servants, her name's Alice, take Farah upstairs to like a bedroom, get her cleaned up. Alice scrubs her does her hair does her makeup and then gives her this like opulent ball gown to wear and Farrah's like "Mm, no not my style like I never turned down the opportunity to wear a ball gown (laughs) like I would be wearing (laughs) one right now Farrah on the other hand is like "Mm, not gonna work for me now I want my clothes and Alice is like absolutely not and Farrah's like they're falling apart yeah she goes and she gets the remnants and she's like we washed that they touched water and disintegrated because the dirt was holding them together (laughs) and so poor Alice goes and gets Farrah a tunic and some trousers Farrah's like perfect you know I can fight in pants I can't I can't fight in a ball gown and then she returns to the dining room with Tamlin Farrah's still not eating because her, the legends she's been told are if you eat fairy food, then you're you're trapped there forever. Like you can't leave if you're eating fairy food. Yeah. So she learns that's actually not true. And Tamlin is like, dude, just eat the food. She's still concerned with getting back to her family. And she's telling Tamlin, listen, you signed my family's death sentence when you took me away because they are useless. They will literally just collapse into a ball of hunger on the ground until they desecrate they will they don't know how to feed themselves they barely know how to wipe their own asses like you need to let me go back yeah so tamlin tells her listen i understand that you are taking care of your family that you are providing for them he's like i'm not so much of a monster that i would take their only means of being fed without replacing it so he assures her that he has made arrangements for her family to be taken care of and she's like oh okay wait a minute (laughs) she's itching for a fight and he's not giving her anything Yeah, no, that's completely true. Like she, but she used to say that she just wanted her sisters married off and out of the house. So her and her father could just have enough food to go around. She was tired of taking care of her sisters. Now that she doesn't have to take care of them. She's like, well, fuck. Like, what do I do? What do I do? She's entering the kind of existential crisis that we all face in our mid twenties. And again, in our mid (laughs) thirties. So with literally nothing to do, Farah's goal becomes trying to befriend Lucian in hopes that he will talk Tamlin into letting her go back home. There's like a weird energy about like Tamlin and Lucian because Tamlin keeps giving her these weird compliments that don't really land. He's just like, your hair, you have hair. That's nice. And then he'll look sideways at Lucian who just kind of winks like. It was like thumbs up, bro. It is. And it's definitely an awkward sort of vibe there. You know, it's super awkward because at one point Tamlin is like, just like shows up out of nowhere. And he's like, hey, my plans fell through for the day. 
let me take you on a tour of the estate. And she's like, no, thank you. No, really. And she's like, no, thank you. And then she goes right to Lucian. Mm -hmm. And it's like, hey, take me on a tour. Yeah. Lucian is very, not really hostile towards her, but he's very just, he's unkind to her, which I can kind of get. Farrah did put an arrow through his friend's eye and that probably put a bad taste in his mouth, you know? And I think we're probably all wondering the same question, which is why was the wolf, his name was Andrus, why was Andrus there in the first place? And so Lucian tells her that Andrus was there because there's a sickness in Prithian that has been there for about 50 years, almost 50 years, and that it's slowly spreading through Prithian. And it's the reason why they're all forced to wear these masks. Sarah's just kind of like, cool, dude, I didn't like really ask, but that's fine. Because um, she literally <laughs> never asked about the mask. She's just like, oh, I guess this is just casual. Everybody wears masks. Yeah, it's just like fashion, you know? It's fashion. But can you imagine, though, if the blight had forced them to wear top hats and just everybody was just wearing little top hats? But not even like full-size top hats, just like those little tidy headband ones, you know? What about the fedoras from the 2000s, from the 2010s? Have you ever seen JC Shazay in a fedora? Girl, no. I can get behind that. So they're on their way home and Lucian starts getting freaked out. He's like, listen, he's like, just look straight ahead, girl, like straight ahead. If you think you hear something, no, you didn't. <laughs> you think you saw something, no, you didn't. And Vera's like, what? He's like, bitch, did I stutter? Yeah, she feels this thing come over them. She can't see it, but she can feel it and she can hear it in her head. It's like this enigma that creeps into her mind and starts taunting her. It's like, I will grind your bones into dust. Oh, Jesus, you've got the voice down. It's how I get my children to go to sleep. <laughs> yeah, so once, you know, they have to ignore it. They have to pretend that it's not there. And then finally it goes away. And when she asks Lucian what that was, he says that it's called the bog. And he says that uh, it's it taunts you until you acknowledge it. And then the moment you acknowledge it, it becomes real and it can kill you. But it's like this immortal thing that can't be killed except by Tamlin. Tamlin can kill it. The bog is not supposed to be there. The bog is not allowed in the spring court. It is normally in a different part of Prithian. But with the blight sort of running its course through the fairylands, it got brave and it went there. So when Farah and Lucian get back to the manor house, to Tamlin's estate, first of all, Tamlin is not happy that Farah gave him the brush off just to go out with Lucian, who is especially Tamlin's employee. And so he's all grouchy and huffy and puffy. And then Lucian's like, oh yeah, by the way, um, we ran into the bog while we were out. And then Tamlin's like, well, son of a bitch, now I have to leave my dinner to go kill this thing. He runs out to kill the bog. Uh, it's right around this time too that Feyre finally starts feeling guilty about killing Andrus. The, the wolf dude because I think before that she was just like ah whatever it was a fairy but she's starting to realize Andrus was he had a place in that court he had friends he had people that missed him and she even starts having nightmares about killing the wolf I don't blame her I don't blame her for having him I was like I think I would probably have nightmares if I killed a wolf that turned out to be a dude it's not even the killing it's the skinning that's some Jeffrey Dahmer shit like that's a lot it's only Jeffrey Dahmer shit because we know that he was a fairy is her skinning the deer Jeffrey Dahmer shit? It just freaks me out that, you know, you kill this animal, you skin it, and then and then it's like, oh, that was actually my Uncle Bob. 
transformed as a wolf. I mean, that's that would traumatize me forever. Yeah. Like I said, like, I don't think we can blame her for that. You know, that night after she wakes up from her nightmare, she can't sleep. She takes a pen and paper and she goes and she starts making a map of the manor house. You know, if she's going to escape, she's going to need to know where she's going. She's going to need to know this place at the back of her hand in case she can't see. No matter where she is, she can make a run for it. Tamlin is like, the door's open. You can go. And she's in her room, like sketching a map and coming up with a secret plan. Like for what? Building booby traps. <laughs> what are you doing? So she's out here walking the manor, making this map. Tamlin comes home and he's injured. And then she patches him up. She's like, let me fix your hands. Oh, yes, honey. Now, because he was out hunting for the bog and he found it, he killed it, but he comes back really wounded. And she has a lot of experience with patching up wounds. So um, she patches him up uh, in the infirmary. This is like a major moment because it's a very intimate thing to be alone together. She, yeah. And she's playing nursemaid to him, this creature that she inherently hates, you know, like she hates the Fae. Like she was raised to hate the Fae. This creature that she inherently hates, she is mending right now. And this is, I mean, this is a big charting moment for the two of them, you know, to where he is allowing her to get a little bit closer to him and she is willingly helping him, but doesn't last long because Farah is still who she is, you know, and she still has her plans. And the next day she hears Lucian and Tamlin fighting. Lucian accuses Tamlin of not even trying. And, you know, he's like, for someone who has a heart of stone, yours is certainly soft these days. I honestly think Lucian might be a tiny bit jealous. Just a little bit. I don't see any human girls going around patching up his wounds, but whatever. So Tamlin tells Fyra that he has a study uh, and he takes her there and she starts trying to practice how to read because she actually confides to him that her mother neglected her education. Because I think her mom was like, you don't need to read. You just marry a rich man. You'll be fine. Like, I don't know how to read. And look at me. I'm totally fine. Yeah. Her mom's just like, why do you need to be smart? You're pretty. <laughs> yes. But also that evening, Farah goes to Lucian's room. And at first I'm like, ooh, risque. Yes, girl. And then she's like, yo, you told me about the cereal. Yeah. So when Farah and Lucian were in the woods together earlier, he had mentioned to her a creature called the Surreal. And the Surreal has the power to answer any question if you're clever enough to catch it. Lucian tells her that they have a weakness for freshly slaughtered chickens. And then he just sort of mentions they wouldn't notice a double loop snare rigged from the grove that would pin its legs. He wants her to trap a Surreal. Uh, he does want her to trap a cereal. Lucian tells her like exactly how to do it. And he tells her to run across the river once she frees it. Um, and that maybe he might be close enough to hear her scream. You know, like if something went wrong, he's like, if something goes wrong and you scream, I might be around. Maybe. I don't know. So finally, after catching one, what does she ask it? She asks it if there's any way for her to go home. And the serial tells her that not unless she wants her and her family to be killed. Like, if you go home, you and your family are going to be killed. 
she asked what the serial knows about Tamlin and it asked her to be more specific because it knows a lot of things about the High Lord of Spring. And she's like, what, what? She finally realizes that Tamlin is the High Lord of Spring. He's not just like nobility or just like a high fairy. He's like the essentially the prince or king of spring. Right. He's the king of the spring court. Yeah. It means he's very powerful. He controls the entire territory. And everyone in it. Yeah, which is why people seem to sort of defer to him. You know, Lucian's deferring to him. Farrah asks the Suriel what can be done about the Blight. And the Suriel tells her to stay with the High Lord. You know, he's like, stay with the High Lord. The Suriel tells her that across the sea is a fairy world of Highburn. That it's ruled by a powerful king. No humans exist there anymore. They were all killed back in the fairy war. And the king has a throne made out of human bones. Like, you talk about some Dahmer-like shit. That is some Dahmer shit. That's some Game of Thrones shit. Yes. But anyway, so there's the King of Highburn. And the King of Highburn um, doesn't like the treaty. He's really unhappy. Um, And 100 years ago, he sent one of his highest-ranking commanders to Prithian to go to wage war against the humans. You know, they infiltrated the high fae courts, all the seven courts. They infiltrated them 50 years ago. The Suriel is spilling some good tea, girl. And then he's like, oh, shit. He's like, we're not alone. He's like, you need to let me go. You need to let me go now, 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 now. Yeah, because other creatures are coming. They're in, she's in the woods. Didn't she learn when she ran into the bog that there's other shit living in the woods? You can't just sit around having a nice long chat with the cereal like it's Alexa or something. She set this trap. Girl, you didn't even get rid of the bait. It's still out. Like you, I don't know why we're surprised right now. The things that are coming are called the Naga. um, And they're fairies made from shadow, hate, and rot. Sounds like me when I'm PMSing. (laughs) <laughs> that literally feels like me right now. Not not chill. These are not chill people. Yeah, they are not chill fairies. Yeah, well, because the Suriel is telling her, you have to let me go. They're going to kill me. You have to let me go and you have to run, but you have to let me go first. Did I mention you have to let me go first and then run? But let me go first. Girl, we both got to get out of here, but you got to let me go. <laughs> you got to let me go. <laughs> After she frees the Suriel and she fires an arrow at one of the Naga and then she she books it. She just runs and eventually she's surrounded by the other three of the Naga. Well, who comes to her rescue, girl? That High Lord of Spring. Our boy Tamlin. Like, yo, I heard screaming. Where's my girl at? He saves her. So once again, she's back at the house like the next day. She's talking to Lucian and she asked Lucian about lying. And he's like, what? He's like, who told you fairies couldn't lie? Her whole life, she thought that fairies couldn't lie and that iron was deadly to them. And it turns out that these were just stupid rumors, probably started by the fairies to just confuse the humans. Yeah. She, up until this point, has been kind of comforted by the fact that well, if Tamlin says something, it has to be true because fairies can't lie. She has gone through the stop process multiple times. When he says that her family, first of all, when he says that he's not going to hurt her and he's going to take her to his place, she believed him because fairies can't lie. When he says that he's going to make sure that her family is taken care of, she believes him because fairies can't lie. And now she learns that actually fairies can, in fact, lie. And her first thought is not to go, but what? What? Did you lie about all that other stuff? She just kind of takes it at face value that he was telling the truth, which is interesting. 
yeah, no, I I would have I would have some questions, <laughs> some follow up questions, you know. Well, and she also learns about the wars. Like humans used to be enslaved by fairies. They used to be slaves. Humans used to be enslaved by the fairies. There are some fairies that used to be really close to humans. They actually fought by the human side during the war. Right. Farah kind of always assumed that it was humans versus fairies, but it wasn't. It was humans and fairies who supported the humans versus the fairies who didn't. Um, and I think that was also sort of like a very polarizing aspect for Farrah to sort of grasp. I think that's another thing that kind of went into her bucket of not all fairies are bad. But Tamlin tells Farrah, you know, Farrah's still wanting to write to her family, but she wants to do it on her own. She doesn't want Tamlin to do it for her. And Tamlin tells Farrah that her family doesn't even remember that she's gone. She doesn't. They don't remember that she was kidnapped. He said that he put false memories into their brain that like... A great aunt had fallen ill and Farrah left to go take care of her. So, like, her family doesn't know that she was kidnapped. That's kind of the first time we hear about Tamla's ability to put a glamour on on things, which is basically using magic to hide something or implant memories, specifically in humans, or make things invisible with magic. Yeah. So he implanted an entire scenario in, in her family's head that she's off taking care of some sick aunt. And he also made sure that they believed that they heard a rumor about a threat from Prithian so that they knew they had to run if they needed to. He's covering all the bases because in the beginning when she's like, oh, am I your prisoner? And he's like, no, no, you can go. And she's like, oh, but my family is hungry. He's like, no, 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 they're fine. And she's like, oh, but they're going to come look for me. He's like, no, no, no. They think you're they think you're with your long lost aunt and at this point i think she's finally ha- broke down and she's just like look can i have some paint supplies because i don't know what else i'm gonna do with my life she's like can you just get me some paint supplies <laughs> yes and then he also tells her that there's a gallery that he'll have it cleaned out for her they're they're bonding over their love of art we see the little connection growing that may or may not be stockholm syndrome and we're not gonna judge you know what i mean like just do what you need to do to survive with the hot fairy guy who kidnapped you and is giving you everything you could ever want and hope for and is taking care of you and your family how fucking dare him i know the audacity so In the dead of night, Tamlin rushes into the castle carrying a fairy whose wings have been ripped off and is gushing blood everywhere. And the fairy's like, she ripped my wings off. And it's this nameless she who is, you know, someone that's ripping fairies' wings off. That's like the most ominous thing. That's like the only thing that he keeps saying is she took my wings. Mm -hmm. She took my wings. It's like devastating. It's so sad. So the fairy is dying because... He's bleeding to death. The blood is coming too fast. There's nothing they can do. And I guess Farah is kind of dare for Tamlin in that moment when he's losing one of his own to this nameless she. Farah has to watch Tamlin walk away with this fairy's body in his arms. And it's really sad. But she also, she helps the fairy. She holds him down while they try to like help him. This is another you know, sort of incident that is like pushing Farah closer towards feeling emotions just towards these, towards the fairies in general. And I think that she really feels for Tamlin that this person just died in front of them and he knows that he couldn't do anything. Tamlin being the High Lord is used to taking care of stuff and he couldn't do that here. The very next day she goes out riding with Lucian and Tamlin And 
I, why Lucian is there, God only knows. He literally is just being a third wheel. Because He's being a wingman. I guess maybe he thought, maybe Tamlin thought she wouldn't have come if it was just them two because she refused him the first time, remember? Maybe she wouldn't have. Mm. Dude, tell me why Tamlin takes her to a pool of starlight to go swimming in literal starlight. And he, when he takes off his tunic, she describes it as bare muscle and golden skin. I don't know. Like, I'm kind of into it. Like, Tamlin's being sweet. He's starting to do something here. He reads her poems. I don't know what I would do if a guy read me a poem. Can you imagine? Like, they're looking at you in the eye and they're reading you a poem. It's romantic, but cringy at the same time. And they were poems that he wrote with the words that she was trying to learn. Oh, stop it. I forgot about that. That was really sweet because she's trying to learn how to read and she made a list of words that she couldn't figure out and he made a poem from it. Stop. Just here. Hold on a second. These are my panties. Here you go. Just take them, sir. Yeah, just take them. Sir, you are being aggressively sweet. So Farah starts seeing these preparations for this big event that's happening. We're talking fairies all over the place and drums playing and the kitchens are busy cooking. And she learns that there's this big event happening where fairies from all different courts are coming together. And it's called the Great Rite. And there's only one thing, one simple instruction that Tamlin gives her, which is stay in your fucking room. He's like, you need to stay in your room because no one can know that you're here. You're human. Fairies generally hate humans. This could be dangerous. You need to stay in your room. So what does she do? She goes out. And it's not like she just leaves her room, okay? And she's walking around the manor. No, 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 no. She leaves the house. She's like, I was told to stay away from this because there's going to be a whole lot of fairies from other courts. And the Tamlin's not going to be himself tonight. And so she's like, as I'm strolling down to the fire night. Immediately, she gets pretty much cornered by three fairies who are just have bad intentions off the bat. What are you going to do now, Farah? You should have stayed in your fucking room. Like, this is what Tamlin... She's not even armed. She's not even armed. She went out there with... not. She just thought, oh, it's dark. I'm going to try to hide my humanness. But this high face swoops in and she can tell he's high face in the way he carries himself. She also describes him as the most beautiful man she's ever seen. And he's not wearing a mask. Yeah, which means he's not spring. He's from another court. And when he sees her, he says, I've been looking for you. And he puts his arm around her like they're besties. Basically saving her from the fairies. Because the the moment that this stranger, this beautiful stranger pops up and puts his arm around her, the other fairies that were antagonizing her, they back off immediately. They're like, oh, no, no, no. Oh, girl, this is where it gets juicy. Because Lucian finds her and he's pissed. He's like, are you outside of your mind right now you had literally all you had to do to stay safe today was stay in your room and she doesn't really understand why he's freaking out she's like it's fine i'm heading back to my room now and he's like no no no, you don't understand this is the one night of the year where tamlin is going to be there's going to be some sort of um ritual and he's going to go out there and find a maiden to regenerate magic and how does he regenerate magic with the maiden through sex they boink 
they knock the boots, they knock the boots, mm-hmm. and it regenerates magic for the land. All these maidens gather and like present themselves to Tamlin, and he just kind of like strolls through the sea of bitches and picks the one he wants. Lucian's like, Thera, if he smells you, it's going to be bad. She's still not walking fast enough, so he literally like, throws her over his shoulder and like runs to the manor. The moment she hears that Tamlin is looking for a maiden to have sex with, she's like, dude, I volunteer as tribute. I volunteer as tribute. It's for science. I care about these lands and regenerating the magic. Let's do this. And he's like, no, no, girl, go back to your room. You don't know what you're doing. Yeah. He's like, no, you are not tall enough to ride this ride. He's he's like, Tamlin's penis will kill you. Like, it will literally kill you. (laughs) You can't do this. (laughs) Later that night... You know how she was, again, told to stay in her room. She's like, oh, the music has died down. Let me go to the kitchen for a snacky snack. She literally goes out for some cookies and she runs into him in the hall. And he is ravenously hungry. Oh, no, sorry. He is ravenously horny. <laughs> like He pins her to the wall and he's like, I smelled you and it drove me crazy. And he's like, I couldn't find you. And I had to pick another. And Thera's like, what? Me? Huh? He pins her against a wall and bites her. Just bruises her. Yo. This is really where it cements for Farah that she is sexually attracted to Tamlin. She's into it. She's like, I want to climb that tree, man. (laughs) I want to climb that tree. I want to ride him like a horse elk wolf. (laughs) The next morning, she wakes up with bruises on her neck from where he'd been her. Yo, Lucian is giggling the whole time. He's like, where'd you get those bruises, Farah? Huh? They look a lot like teeth. She's like, ask Tamlin. She wakes up one day and suddenly there's a bunch of fairies living in the court. And she learns that they've actually been there all along. And the only reason she hadn't noticed them is because Tamlin put a glamour on her to not see them. So all this time she's been walking around thinking that she's got this huge castle all to herself and she's just probably bumping into people everywhere. And they're just like, what the fuck, man? This blind. Yeah. (laughs) Like like when she's, can you imagine like how many witnesses there was when she got bit? Like how many people were doing dishes in that kitchen? Oh my God. I hadn't even thought of that. You're so right. Like she's going out there and she's getting cookies in the middle of the night. She thinks she's walking down an empty corridor and really there's like 50 people walking around. They just around. have to move to the side. They're like, oh my God, she's coming again. <laughs> um, they've been here the whole time. You just couldn't see them. Then, you know, after that enlightening um, little breakfast conversation, um, Farrah goes outside to go paint and she finds a head in the in the garden. And and that's that's when we learn a little bit more about the night court. As the name implies, they're not... They're not warm and fuzzy. They're not warm and fuzzy. They're the night court. And apparently they like to torture um, creatures and make Tamlin feel bad, I guess. But yeah, they tell her that the night court is filled with sadistic killers. um, And that this is probably the high lord of the night court's idea of like a joke. It really makes you wonder what these other courts are about. Yeah, they're obviously very different. Okay. We have another party coming. It's the summer solstice. And Sarah puts on a dress for the very first time. Scandalous. It's so scandalous. Tamlin is literally almost faint. He is so into it. 
and she knows what she's doing. They have a really great time because she's drunk and her and Tamlin just start dancing and drinking. And they even like they kiss for the first time. Like this is the first time like their lips touch. And then they watch the sunrise together. And then they kiss for the second time. You're doing your bog voice again. I'm going to crush your bones and kiss you. <laughs> um, so it's kind of like this. This seems to happen to Farah. This is kind of her luck where she'll have a really good day. And then the next day, just something really bad happens. Lucian gets a letter from the winter court from a from someone he knows. And it, it tells them that the blight took out two dozen of their younglings, of their children. It's, you know, says that it burned their minds with magic. Every court seems to be affected by the blight except for the night court. Yeah. So this is kind of the first time that we're seeing some real, the real implications of the blight because we heard about it and we heard that it's sickness and it's spreading through the lands. And we heard it's the reason why, why Tamlin and everyone in his court has to wear a mask, but none of it felt like that bad. I mean, I guess that fairy got his wings ripped off, but I mean, he was one fairy. I mean, it's okay. We can let that go. I mean, there's also the beheaded guy. In oh the yeah, that guy. Anyway, so Tamlin, Lucian, and Feyre are in the dining room. They're eating, and Lucian is going over this horrific news of the blight basically killing a, a group of young Fae. And then suddenly the mood changes, and Tamlin tells Feyre that she has to get up and hide. Lucian takes her to the corner of the room and sort of, like, stands in front of her. And, she, you know, she kind of assumes that Tamlin did something, like, with magic, you know, to help kind of glamour her. Yeah, he threw a glamour over her. A beautiful stranger from Kalanmai walks in the room. Oh, oh, he's back. Our beautiful man. It's the guy from from the, the Great Right. When Pharaoh was out and she got cornered by the fairies and then the beautiful stranger saved her. This is that same stranger that's coming into the castle. He comes in and Tamlin calls him Resand. He also calls him Amaranthus Whore. Then Pharaoh realizes that Resand is the High Lord of the Night Court. And he refers to the severed head as a gift. Mm, he was the one behind the severed head in the garden. It's like, thanks, dude. You could have not, but thanks. Tamlin is not happy that he's there. Tamlin is scared for Farah, who is currently hiding. Number one, behind Lucian, and number two, behind a glamour. From this, I can probably guess that him and Tamlin aren't like friends. They might be like Facebook friends, but they don't really, they don't follow each other on Instagram. It's like that kind of thing. No. Sand notices that there's three plates at the table. He gets pissed off. He's like, how dare you glamour me? And then he rips the glamour away, goes to Lucian and sees Farah. He starts looking into Farah's mind and she says she can feel almost like his talons on her brain. And she feels as though he could very easily crush her psyche if he wanted to. Mm -hmm. Reese is very smart and he can tell that this is that this human girl is valuable to to either Lucian or Tamlin or both. Reese is threatening to tell Amarantha about her. And then when Tamlin's like, please don't tell her, Reese is like, maybe I won't if you beg. Like he literally is like, if you beg. And Tamlin gets on his knees and so does Lucian. They literally both get on their knees. And I mean, the hotness level just goes down. Like, I don't know. I don't want to put an exact number on it. Probably like 43%. It's just not, <laughs> it's just not good luck that he's on his knees like I get he's begging for her but it's just like uh he just kind of degrades himself for Reese fight a little 
You know what I mean? Punch him. Listen, this might be my hot take is that I feel like Tamlin is lazy. Yeah, I don't know. Tamlin does seem like he's very lazy when it comes to taking action. Because, dude, literally, that's Reese asked him to get on his knees and beg. But he literally could have been like, I want you to suck my big toe. And you think Tamlin would have said no? He would have had Reese's toe in his mouth in two <laughs> seconds flat. Let me see that big toe, boy. <laughs> yes. He was like more aggressive to fair around the hallway for being out in the woods. And he is with this guy threatening to like turn her over, you know, like, why don't you push him up against the wall and bite his neck? You know, like, come on, man. Where's that energy from that night? I'm not hating the idea of that. <laughs> I can get behind this. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> After Reese leaves, they actually have like a really beautiful moment. Yeah. Um, you know, Tamlin confesses his feelings to her. He tells her that he loves her and he tells her that he ha- she has to leave, that he's sending her home. You know, she asks about the treaty and he's just like, don't worry about the treaty. Yeah, don't worry about the treaty, girl. You know, the whole reason I kidnapped you and brought you here, like, it's it's fine. I've changed my mind. Don't worry about it. It's cool. It's fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. She understands he's scared and he's going to send her home, but he's also she's also worried that this is forever, that he's going to send her out there mm-hmm. and she's never going to see him again. And so things start getting a little physical, physical, mm-hmm. spicy, physical. And now prepare yourselves for our reenactment. Of the Tamlin and Farrah love scene. (laughs) Not doing that. My mom is going to listen to this, girl. They do the nasty. They They do the beautiful, Courtney. It was beautiful. It It was beautiful. It was tender. It was lovemaking. It was love. It was technically bestiality, but (laughs) also lovemaking. I think it's only bestiality if he was in his beast form okay so he was a man he was all man it's like jacob from twilight like he can turn into a wolf but he's not a wolf he's still jacob with the abs you know jacob doesn't do it for me you know what as a grown-up you know who really does it for me the dad the dads the dads back it up bill charlie his name is charlie oh fuck (laughs) yep carlisle does too carlisle does it for me too like listen you know what they both probably have 401ks you know what the older you get the older old gets and the hotter older guys get and you're just like look at that look at him pushing that baby carriage you know wearing a Mm. wearing a turtleneck like you better keep up Hmm, but watch yourself look at him filing his taxes by february 14th <laughs> you better stop teasing me boy look at him refinancing you stop teasing mm, me boy. tell me your interest rate what apr you got <laughs> um the next day when farah is on her way out and getting to the carriage um lucian is not a happy courtier he is not happy he is super angry angrier than usual he's usually an angry little bear but or angry little wolf but he's angrier than usual he's really pissed off it's almost like he knows it's a bad idea for her to leave oh no are we foreshadowing here at the end of the episode i hope we i hope she doesn't regret this (laughs) is she getting flashbacks to skinning the wolf Mm -hmm. like the serial the serial told her to stay with the high lord 
And she has a really bad feeling when she's leaving. You know, Tamlin tells her that he loves her again. She almost says it back. Almost. Like, she's right. It's on the tip of her tongue. She's, you know. I, 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 I love. I. She's like, <laughs> she's like, I love. <laughs> Anyways, so she can't, she can't bring herself to say that she loves him. Um, and then she leaves. She gets on a little carriage and she goes off in a carriage. Mm-hmm. She goes off in the carriage and it takes her back to her family. And well, her family's in a new place now, right? They are. They are in a really nice place. And just like Tamlin said, um, he took care of everything. You know, remember her dad was supposedly this super rich businessman that lost everything. Well, apparently what he thought he lost came back. The ship that he thought was lost at sea came back and he's he's rich again. Just popped up out of nowhere. And her sisters seem mostly happy, except for the older one who always had a stank face about her. So Farah doesn't think it's suspicious at first because she's like, Nesta always looks really stank. So <laughs> that's normal. That checks out. Nesta's always angry. It's fine. Well, the sur- like, um, what's her name? Farah keeps thinking about what the Surreal said. Stay with the High Lord. Girl, stay with the high, girl. Let me go, but stay with the high lord. She keeps <laughs> thinking about that. She said, stay with the high lord or else your family will die. And she went home. So like that ominous feeling is correct. She needs to go back. So once she realizes, I think she had to go home to realize that her family really was fine. And I think Tamlin had to send her home to feel like she was she would be safe. Mm-hmm. But once once Farrah gets home, she realizes, what am I doing here? Like, my family's fine and Tamlin's not okay. Something, you know, something bad is happening. She could just feel it. So Farrah goes back to the spring court and she goes back to Tamlin's estate. I have kind of mixed feelings about this because I just want to pull her aside and be like, girl, what do you think you're going to do? Yeah, like, I don't. She she's very confident, girl. She's like she really thinks she could do anything. You're a human girl. What do you think you're going to do if Tamlin is in danger and he is the high lord of the Supreme Court and can't do anything about it? What do you think you can do? But OK, <laughs> but so Farah gets back to the to the manor to Tamlin's manor and it's not good. It's not good at all. Uh-uh. No, it is not. The gate has been ripped open. The manor has just been trashed. No one's there. She can't find anybody in the manor. You know, none of the fae that she's recently been able to see, none of the servants she's used to seeing, Lucian, Tamlin, they are all gone. She did not stay with the High Lord, and now the, the High Lord went poof. He's gone. She has no clue where he is. But don't worry. She's going to find out what happened to Tamlin, and she's going to find out exactly why Tamlin kidnapped her in the first place. All of that is coming. In part two. In part two. All right, guys. Looks like the teapot is empty for today. More tea is brewing and on the way, we'll be back with part two of A Court of Thorns and Roses. Thank you for listening to our first episode. If you like our podcast, please leave a review and share with a friend. Or as the story would say, stay with the High Lord. Stay with the High Lord, bitch. What did she do? She fucking left. (laughs) He said, stay here. She left. Lucia says, stay in your room. She left.